Brothers and sisters, in our gospel today, Jesus issued a new commandment to his disciples. Love one another as I have loved you. This commandment is one that's radical and yet frequently misunderstood. I often see it incorporated into bumper stickers or Facebook memes, but rarely do I see it incorporated into the lives of people. It is, after all, a lot easier to use this commandment as a slogan rather than to make it the guiding force of one's life. Yet, it's not only the difficulty of this commandment that's prevented Christians from loving one another. There also exists a lot of misunderstanding about love itself. Many people mistakenly believe that love is an emotional feeling, a notion that Disney rightfully debunked in the movie Frozen. In fact, I used that movie Frozen for teaching fifth graders uh, in re religion class in New York as to what the Christian concept of love truly is. And for those who have seen the movie, you may recall the scene where Anna realizes that her notion of love is wrong. And she realizes that she doesn't know what love is. And Olaf, who represents love itself, chimes in by saying, love is putting someone else's needs ahead of your own. In doing so, he's essentially echoing the definition of love that was formulated by St. Thomas Aquinas and incorporated into the Catechism of the Catholic Church, namely that love is willing the good of another. It's important that we have a proper understanding of love. Many people, after all, think that we Catholics are part of some bigoted, hate-filled religion. We're often perceived as wanting to prevent people from freely loving one another and obtaining true happiness. But that's not at all what Catholicism is about. We are, after all, commanded by our founder, Jesus Christ, to love one another. If we properly understand love, then this means that we are to will the good of one another. And of course, the greatest good that we can will for another person is for them to share eternal life with God in heaven. There's nothing greater than that good. This means that if we're to love one another, we must will what is good for them, which is to say, we must will that which is going to help them get into heaven. Love, willing the good of other qua other, is what moves the church. She has no ulterior motives. She's not, as many people would have us believe, self-interested. Nor is she bigoted or against certain groups of people. Rather, the church is deeply concerned about every person, about every soul. And she's been entrusted with a mission to bring all souls to salvation through Christ. It strikes me that the seriousness of eternal salvation is often lost in our modern world. Our world takes a very cavalier approach towards God and salvation. Very few people take seriously the need to be in a proper relationship with God. While our knowledge in the sciences has advanced rapidly over the past 200 years, it's been met with an almost equal decline in our relationship with God. Many people in our society claim to be spiritual, even if they're not religious. Yet oftentimes, 
Such spirituality is superficial, lacking in any depth. Many of those who are spiritual but not religious make very little effort to know God and even less effort to develop a personal relationship with him. If you don't believe me, just ask someone who's spiritual but not religious to speak about his relationship with God, how he knows God's will, etc. Most can't do this. In fact, my experience has been that many people who are spiritual but not religious don't attempt to encounter God at all. They simply form an image of God in their own minds, an image of who they would like God to be, rather than seeking God out, seeking a relationship with him, and asking God to reveal himself, not for who we wish him to be, but as he truly is. Friends, if we don't personally encounter God and allow him to reveal himself to us, it becomes virtually impossible to know his will and even more difficult to live by his statutes and his commands. In fact, for many people, the lack of a personal relationship with God causes them to disassociate God from his commandments. And this rift leads people to believe that God is unconcerned with human behavior. And I frequently observe this when people will come up to me and say, oh, come on, Father, do you really believe that God cares about, throw in whatever topic you like, The question, while meant to be rhetorical, reveals a common misconception about God. It mistakenly identifies God as an impersonal being, akin to the pagan gods who are too consumed with their cosmic affairs to notice the relatively petty existence of human beings. But God is not an impersonal creature. In fact, God is not a creature at all. It's not as... If we were to say that, you know, I'm here and you're there and then there's the earth and the sun and then over there is God and God is the biggest thing around. In fact, God is not a thing. He's not a thing at all. He's not a creature. God can better be thought of as being itself. God is intimately linked with everything because he is being itself. Everything, therefore, is connected to God. And therefore, God is concerned for everything. Sacred scripture reveals that God's great concern for us goes down to the smallest details of our lives. It informs us that all the hairs of our head are counted. You know, as I look around this church, I can see that counting the hairs on some heads might be easier than others. But nonetheless, even the most bald person among us probably is not counted every hair on his head. Here's the point. God is concerned with every detail of our lives to a degree greater than we are. So yes, God really does care about the small details of our lives. And God cares for us because he loves us. He wills what is good for us. He wants us to be united with him in all things so that we can share eternal life with him. He loves us so much that he gave us a church that is capable of teaching his commands free from error, which means that we can come to know God. We can come to know his teachings. We can come to know what he is like, and then we can imitate him. He loved us so much that he established the sacraments. 
the sacrament of penance, so that we could be forgiven of our sins and brought back into union with him. And he loves us so much that he gave us the sacrament of the Eucharist, so that we could not only imitate him through our actions and be reunited to him through the sacrament of penance, but that we could unite our very being with his, that we could take his body into our body and share true union with him. And God does all of this, not because it benefits him in some way, but because it benefits us. For he truly loves us. He truly wants what is good for us. He truly wants us to be united with him so that we can share eternal life with him. Let us trust in his love. Let us believe that he knows and wants what is truly good for us. And let us follow his commands, trusting that they are good for us. Let us participate in the sacraments, especially penance and Eucharist, so that we can be brought into union with him and achieve that which is truly good for us, that union, that eternal life with God. And then, let us follow his new command. Let us love one another as Christ loved us. Let us will what is good for others so that they too can share the joy of eternal life with God. Brothers and sisters, peace to you and to all who love as Christ loved.